men and women are foregoing the 9 till 5 jobs introduced during the industrial age as they embrace new technologies within the digital revolution. And these two chaps are here to help. Welcome to the Powerful Nonsense Podcast, the show about mindfulness and entrepreneurship in the digital economy. With your hosts, Wayne Ingram and Jem Yildiz. We are meted out to the fullest right now. Too much meat. Too much meat. <laughs> that is all. That is all. We'll That's see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> now, in one meal, we have eaten enough protein to get us through the day. See, I was nice. I thought I'd, I'd, I'd introduce some nice breakfast to you this morning, Wayne. I thought, look, I've got to get you up and ready to go. So I brought you some serious amount of sausages, bacon, beans, eggs. It was great, but I kind of feel like it was counterproductive because now I just want to sleep. Me too. I think my, my body's trying to digest rather than my brain to actually function. Yeah. So bear with us this week. <laughs> Might we take a little bit of time to warm up. up. <laughs> um, but talking about no, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't see the link. Wayne. No, I don't see the link. I was going to try, <laughs> try and casually segue in, but I don't think it's going to happen. Also, apologies. I do have a bit of a cold. Yeah. As you can probably tell. So. If I sound, I think we're both a bit sexy. Today. That's what it is. I've got a cold. Okay. Yeah. So, shall we um, introduce <laughs> so, what we'll be talking about today? Yes. Today we are talking about overcoming underdog psychosis. And Wayne was like earlier. He's like, "What the hell is underdog psychosis?" He's like, I don't know what you're talking about, Jim. You've come up to me again with another name for an episode that I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> So I thought I can kill two birds with one stone. I can explain it to Wayne <laughs> and I'll explain it to you. And um, basically, if you, if you live in London or in the UK and probably now in America, actually, there's a, a rapper, grime rapper, UK rapper called Skepta. And he actually put up this um, a video a while back, which is called Underdog Psychosis. And it's super popular on YouTube. And a few years back, I mean, I listened to it probably like three years ago, but it's um, it was a blog post like... I put up a blog post on Powerful Nonsense and I kind of like broke down what he was actually saying in that video. And it's actually been one of my most popular blogs to date, to be honest. And I thought actually it'd be good to actually go back and maybe do an episode based on on that video and sort of break down what he said. Because I think everyone already resonates with the video and obviously we'll share it on the blog as well. But I thought maybe we can just talk through some of the points that Skepta goes over and he's obviously become a success in his field. So I thought maybe some of the learnings could pass over. So you're, you're trying to... Ride on his coattails, is that what you're saying, Jim? Basically, yeah. I think <laughs> that's exactly what we're going to do. <laughs> okay. To be honest, I've, I've now we're now ranking in Google search for underdog psychosis number one over the actual video, which is surprising. Are we? Yeah. Take that, Skepta. So, yeah, we're just going to jump on it. Now you are the underdog. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking, I'm joking. But you are. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so let's let's dive right in then. Let us dive right in. So the first point I've got, which is something you said, is is just because you don't fit into a system doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. And I know we've obviously spoke a lot about that. I mean, we've we've already said that school is not for everybody. People mm-hmm. people um, know it's obviously structured in a way that is very industrial. Mm-hmm. And so um, yeah, Skepta talks about him never being able to fit in, and at school was feeling like getting kicked out. I'm not saying that. You have to get kicked out. You have to reject school entirely. But I think it's something for him that he felt he just didn't fit in. It didn't suit him. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, what's your thoughts on that one? Um, yeah, well, I mean, uh, as, as you as you mentioned in your, in your blog post, um, we build our systems for the benefit of the majority. The minorities lose out because 
in terms of utilitarian ethics. Ooh. That's right. I studied philosophy and ethics, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of utilitarian uh, ethics, the if you follow that path, it's based on what is of benefit to the majority. So if 5% of people don't benefit from a system, well, tough shit to that 5%, basically. No, 95% are getting away with it and it's yeah. working for them. So. Yeah, so, so everybody's benefit. Well, not everybody, but most people are benefiting from it. So you are, unfortunately, with any system, going to end up with some people where it just doesn't fit into. You see it in politics all the time, uh, where... Um, governments make choices which are for the benefit of most people and you always get these extreme cases where it doesn't work for someone and then it turns into a scandal because and they're, they're usually the sort of articles that hit the newspapers right. like uh, uh, i don't know i mean they have like obviously the, the whole disability allowance thing came in but right. obviously you say well this um, like obviously they're a small minority of the population but it's a huge it has affected them mm-hmm. majorly and that's yeah. a prime example really absolutely so Unfortunately, there will always be people that don't fit into the system, but that doesn't necessarily mean, as uh, we said at the start of this point, that there's necessarily something wrong with you. It's actually more there's something wrong with the system because it doesn't cover everyone. But you can't expect a system to cover everyone because otherwise it just gets really convoluted, really complicated, and yeah. And what we've sort of said in previous um, podcasts about sort of education system as well is like it's, it's becoming maybe initially it was working for the majority, but I'd say if we're saying maybe it doesn't work for 5%, I say it's starting to not work for 20% mm-hmm. or it's start work, not, not working for 30%. And I think that's what's really happening there. A lot mm-hmm. of people are feeling, look, it, school is not for me, I can't do it, or it's just not feeling right. And I think he's not he's saying there like just because you now don't want to go into the traditional nine to five or you don't want to have that lifelong career it's not something that is wrong with you and just because Mm -hmm. your parents might be saying to you actually that's what you have to do and that's what feels right it's Mm -hmm. like just understand that it's okay to be slightly different it's okay to kind of go a different path yeah absolutely uh which i think brings us quite nicely on to the next point actually Mm -hmm. uh which is uh to go with what feels right and not what people expect of you and i mean my brother has experienced this himself, um, and my sister, for that matter, my younger sister, um, because they both made the decision um, to not go to university uh, whilst they were at school um, in sixth form. Although, it turns out my brother is now going to university. He took a uh, year out in the end to kind of think about what he wants to do, and mm-hmm. he decided to go, but regardless. Um, so whilst he was in sixth form, which for those in the states, if there are any of you listening, is like uh, it's yeah, it's kind of like the two final years of school between uh, what we call university, you call college. Oh, oh god, yeah, yeah. cultural differences. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of like a, a a bridge between end of school to start of university. Um, and yeah, and whilst he was in sixth form. Obviously, all the kids were going through the process of applying for uni and doing their personal statements and all that sort of stuff. And my brother was kind of disregarded. It was almost like, well, you're not thinking about university, so we're not going to even bother with you. It's like, you either go to university or we don't help you. And you've got to think, like, all the teachers are sort of trained, like, that's what their aim is to do, right. like, get them onto get the next the part of the path, get them onto the next bit of the rail or... Absolutely. Um, but... To me, to my brother, it didn't feel right for him to go to university, but it was expected that he would go to university. Um, again, ultimately, he's decided to go. My sister, however, she hasn't, and she's doing really well for herself. 
And how do you think, like, is that because your family not, don't put any sort of pressure or is that... I think that helps. I think that helps. In fact, actually, when my sister's uh, business first started moving in quite a good direction, um, I remember my mum and dad saying to my sister, like, well, who needs a university? Mm-hmm. You made that choice and you've, you've proven everybody wrong right now. So, and uh, But yet, at the same time, my parents were like, well, you really should consider going to university. Yeah. Um... But they didn't. They didn't overly pressurise my sister, um, and I'm very lucky in that my parents are kind of like, so long as you've thought it through and you know what what you want to do and where you're going and you know what direction you're headed and you're not just drifting, that's fine. I think that's a good mentality because obviously your brother taking out that year out is just a bit of time to actually think about it because I think you get so sort of stuck in in that sort of flow. You're just mm-hmm. in this sort of flow of how things should be going that you yeah. don't really take the time you can just jump into the next sort of step and like with that like with that point there it's like go with what feels right not what ex- what's expected of you i think a lot of the time if you if you go with what's expected to, with like what's expected for you you're going to end up in in a worse situation because actually mm. you're going to be doing something that although it feels right in the bigger scale of things and people are accepting that you're maybe going to university maybe you you're doing something you don't actually enjoy and you're not feeling good about it. you've not got this energy to do it or you're feeling like why don't i want to sit and study why am i not reading books on this because actually it's not something that's coming from you that's something you're really infused about mm-hmm. and eventually you're going to sort of end up self-sabotaging yourself whether it's not yeah getting really bad on the exams and then your parents are going to think you're a failure because you've done rubbish at the exams but at the same time you're doing this exam or this uh, course that you actually don't mm-hmm. really feel like doing and so it's going to come to the surface eventually yeah and i think well, we also put like a great quote there by jim query jim carrey go on you, you can read you're better at reading quotes um, than i am <laughs> yeah this is this is literally one of my favorite quotes that's come out in recent years uh from from jim carrey as you said jim um which is you can fail at what you don't want so you might as well take a chance at doing what you love I think that's it. I think people's biggest fear. I mean, obviously, a lot of a lot of people's fear is like stability and money and safety and kind of doing something that, oh, it's safe. It's the safer option. But it's like, why would you want to take that sort of safe mm-hmm. ro- safer option if it's totally not something that really connects with you? Is as I say, it's better to fail at something you mm-hmm. you you do want. Like you want to give it a go. Well, I remember when Jim Carrey came out with this quote. The context of it, he was talking about his dad. Um, and the fact that his dad was I can't remember what it was I'm going to go with accounting his dad was doing accounting he hated it but it was good money Mm -hmm. and it provided for his family so he got on with it and he did it even though he hated it and then eventually he got made redundant Mm -hmm. and it was like well you've just spent years and years and years and years and years of your life doing something you hate and you failed at that Mm -hmm. which is why he then says you may as well just take a chance of doing what you love because just because it's something that you hate because it's expected of you to do that doesn't mean you're not going to fail doesn't mean that it's a safe path it just means it's a slightly more stable path and a slightly more accepted path but you're equally likely to fail and like we say like with the current economy now all those jobs that we used to think were so far-fetched or sort of totally out there whether it's a writer writing a book or mm-hmm. i don't know creating your own plays or whatever it seems made way more possible nowadays and so like the options are there maybe when you back in the past when they were kind of saying okay you want to be an actor but back then you didn't have all these sort of technologies to sort of get your mm-hmm. face out there or anything like that so i think the opportunity is is actually more stacked in your favor nowadays to do that yeah i agree so next point <clears throat> You want me to say it? Okay. Yeah, so this next point is sort of about, like, stop watching the news and reading the papers, which is another thing that Skepta talks about in his um, in his video. And I think that, I mean, every I think if you listen to a lot of sort of self-help or self-development stuff, they say that it's because, again, if it goes back to that majority, if the majority are reading a certain um, 
certain bit of news constantly, regularly. I mean, again, we all know that the news is very fear-mongering. We kind of, I said, we said, I think ages back in a, in a podcast, I was saying that, like, if you're someone who gets on the on the train every every morning, you read the Metro, you're getting off the train with the same knowledge as everybody else. So you're all thinking in the same way. And I think sometimes if you you need to kind of step back from that and you can just say, what am I programming myself to think or be? And a lot of the time, if you're if you're listening or doing the thing that the majority of people are doing, you're going to start getting what the majority are getting and whether that sort of, you need to decide whether that's something you really want. Yeah, yeah. And, and you have to think about as well, particularly with things like uh, newspapers and the news uh, on TV and things, um, you have to bear in mind that quite often basically they want to sell newspapers mm-hmm. so quite often the stories that are there are uh, magnified for the front page you, you'll know you'll know when there's nothing going on in the world because suddenly we'll have an outbreak of swine flu or bird flu or whatever um, just so that there's something to talk about to sell papers because they need to sell papers every day mm-hmm. so every day some big story's got to happen and you have to take that into account I think and you've got to think like fear sells because people want to read about fear like they, people want to read about an aeroplane crash or they want to read about something that's gone terribly wrong so that they can protect themselves it's kind of like you think it you think you just want to see the news but actually it's very sort of like egotistical and safety you're kind of saying I want to find out like even if you think about that recent an airplane crash everybody wanted to find out why who what went wrong in the plane what was wrong with the guy's mind what was da-da-da. everybody needed the answer not because they're so um, intrigued by I mean it's terrible that 150 people got killed in this flight but a lot of it is just to say will that happen to me what if I fly what if I and so newspapers know that you're reading it because you want safety you read to okay where's swine flu where is it is it near me is someone got it in a local village and so they're constantly putting out this fear so that you can feel sort of comfortable but you can read about it and you can say okay well I'm okay for now but I'm going to read tomorrow just in case it's moved a little bit closer to me mm-hmm. or it might be that aeroplane line that I'm flying on in six months and so you're constantly putting this constant fear stay and it's kind of I don't know it's just a, it's a very negative place mm-hmm. to be coming from it's not saying it's not a a sort of trusting of what, yeah. what you're doing it's actually a massive fear and I think it, again if you're going to go, go into entrepreneurship you're going to go into anything like this you don't want to be in that state of you're currently waiting for something to go wrong you're waiting for something to attack you you've got to be in a very sort of okay I trust what I'm doing I feel this feels right mm-hmm. and it's not to say that you know you shouldn't probably keep up on what's going on in the world I think you should I think it's good to know what's going on but just be aware of the way that the media works uh, and um, another thing that because I noticed in the blog post you mentioned uh, false narratives of success um, but there's another thing and there's also this the whole idea of the overnight success we've become a culture now where we expect things to happen overnight and and for things to be instant and instant gratification i mean i see it in my industry all the freaking time um and nobody's willing to accept the fact that it probably isn't going to happen overnight and you are going to have to put in a massive hard graft i i think back to mark ruffalo who played the incredible hulk in the avengers film um and I think it was an interview with Graham Norton where Graham Norton said to him, so how does it feel to be like an overnight success? And he said, yeah, an overnight success 20 years in the making. He'd, he he stopped counting, I think it's 600 auditions. He stopped counting and he nearly quit. And if, if his mother hadn't said, uh, if you quit now, like I won't talk to you, basically. <laughs> I will disown you if you quit now. He would have quit. Because he'd worked so freaking hard and got nowhere. And now look at him. Mm-hmm. 
He's playing around with Robert Downey Jr., Samuel L. Jackson, Scarlett Johansson, Chris Evans, like all the big Hollywood stars, um, just because he kept going after over 600 auditions. And that's apparently an overnight success. And and I think that's something that you have to bear in mind as well. It's funny, just on the base of that sort of talking about failure, I listened to a video yesterday, and it was Dave Chappelle, the comedian, and he was sort of saying that um, as he, he was doing like so many shows, so many free shows, and then um, one night he literally had the worst booing off stage of his life. He said like literally it was everybody in the crowd booing. He ran off the stage, he got off the stage and like called dusty himself, he was thinking to himself, he goes, do you know what? I'm still alive. It's not as bad as I thought. That was the worst booing of my life. And he goes, right. from that point onwards, I was fearless because because I'd hit the worst... Oh, that was it. That was the thing I was most afraid of, to be booed off stage. It's happened. I'm still alive. Mm-hmm. And then he came back, and obviously we now know he's a massive success, and it's sort of uh, kind of related yeah, to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Uh, so the next sort of tip is to get out of your fuck-the-world mode. Mm-hmm. I think this is sort of like that that mentality of blaming everything, like blaming oh, it's society, it's the jobs, it's the economy, it's everything. I mean, it's what mm. the newspapers feed to you. It is the kind of get out of jail free card. If everything else is so fucked up and everything is going wrong, then it's no wonder why things aren't working out for me. It's no wonder why I haven't got a partner. It's no wonder why I'm, I'm not earning as much as I want to earn. It's no wonder why I can't afford that car that that guy's got. Or mm-hmm. it's that sort of it's it's you're you're losing responsibility for yourself. You're kind of outsourcing responsibility of saying well I'm not going to do anything about my situation because I don't feel like I have any control mm-hmm. and I think that's a, that's what a lot of people get stuck in it's yeah. kind of it goes back to what we always talk about with scarcity versus abundance doesn't it mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think we've already mentioned this episode of the of the foundation podcast mm-hmm. uh, starting from nothing but it was a bloody good episode about abundance and the skill of the abundance and he basically says that the world is designed to be abundant mm-hmm. like we have all these celebrities it's like surely there can't be room for another celebrity and yet every day a new celebrity pops up we've got all these footballers and it's like surely we haven't got any more room for these great footballers and yet another footballer that's even better than before will come through like world records are broken every year uh, in every aspect Um, so things are constantly getting more and more abundant and so if you think about it that way and if you go with a mindset of abundance, then surely you're going to break through as well. As well, like, yeah, exactly. Talking about that, like, um, also, if you think about, like, population-wise, like, if you think you've got a product, and, like, back in the day when the population... What's the population? Is it, like, 8 billion or God, 7 billion? Know. It's, like, in the... <laughs> Ridiculously like, Yeah, high. it's, like, 7 or something billion people. And then you've got Kevin Kelly who says you only need a 1,000 true fans to basically live a very right. prosperous, like, life. There is no reason why you cannot get a 1,000 dedicated followers. Exactly. There is like probability says you can do it. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. That's the that's the difficulty. That's why people don't really, as as James Archer says, choose themselves because they don't want to put in that little bit of work. Well, it's not a little bit of work. It's going to take time, but just to get that sort of first thousand people, thousand people to care. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because yeah, the schooling system has sort of trained you out of having to do that. It's kind of like you'll work for someone else who's kind of built that following of people who who then want the product, and that that seems a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cool. I really like this next point. Go on then. Which is become the voice of the people, channel the injustice. And I feel like this is what we're doing. Yeah, well, I guess in a we way. Are in some ways, yeah. In some ways. Well, I mean, we're not we're not necessarily being like down with authority no. or anything like that. I or think we're trying just... to rebel, but we are 
we're choosing to have a voice. We're choosing to say, okay, we feel like we might have something to say, or we these these are things that we find interesting. And actually, maybe if you knew them too, you might find them interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's not saying that we're right or saying that we're wrong. It's just saying that we're we're comfortable expressing our opinions, really. Mm-hmm. But we have a mindset, and we think that we're not the only people that have the mindset, which is why we started doing the podcast in the first place because we want to spread that mindset because we think it's a positive mindset. Um, and I think no matter what your view is I think if you take on the role of becoming the voice of the people for whatever mindset that might be or philosophy that might be um, you naturally develop some sort of leadership and you're going to get some sort of following and it goes back to the previous point if you can get a thousand solid followers you're on to a win really and um, through um, that motivation things will change and things will get better I think as well for our own interest comes through us questioning the current system. It's saying, well, this doesn't feel right for us or we don't feel comfortable trying to be in that majority. It doesn't, it's not, yeah, it's just not connecting with who we are. And so we, we've questioned it and through questioning it, we have to explore new areas. We have to learn more things. And then now we're just sort of expressing that back. And it obviously, like Wayne says, it does really change how you think and what your mindset is. And it's just like, yeah, have, if, you, if you have the option to see two sides of a problem, then I think it's, it's good to have that, that counterbalance. Like your brother who took the time out, he didn't just jump in. He took the time to find out what is the pros and cons of going to uni. And I think that's what we hope this podcast it just gives you that alternative sort mm-hmm. of view, really. I agree. Um, so next up, mm-hmm. we have letting go of authority, mm-hmm. which I think... Is so, blasphemous. So, how dare you? Um, no, I think this is one of the things which really changed me years and years and years and years and years ago before my whole journey that I always talk about that I've been on over the last few years. Like, this goes back to, like, uh, when I was doing my GCSEs. Like, I just remember sitting there thinking, well, how do we know all this is fact? Like, mm-hmm. who said that this was all fact? Like... I always say science is just arguments that haven't been proven wrong. Mm-hmm. It's well, not fact. It's just it hasn't been proven wrong yet. Got a good, a sufficient amount of opinions that right. that kind of weigh yeah. up and say, well, this happens consistently. Yeah, and so it's more than likely. <laughs> but yet you have the half life of um, of knowledge, uh-huh. which we've talked about in our talk, which is, um, I mean, it varies from subject to subject, but basically, um, in a space of like ten years, I can't remember what what subject it was but in the space of like 10 years 60% of what was considered fact in that subject area was now false it's like we say in our, te- in our actual talk though it's kind of like um, textbooks why do you think every year there's a new textbook because something's changed or they've got new information mm-hmm. or it's constantly evolving so mm-hmm. and it's like what, what Steve Jobs says as well Bring in Steve Jobs, he's back. not help yourself. He's back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he says, and and this blew my mind when he said it, but it's true. The world has been built on the shoulders of people that are no more intelligent than anybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, They're the ones that have made the rules over time, admittedly, so there's no reason why you also can't change the rules. Um, And I just think it's important to almost be a little bit devil's advocate. It's like that moment when you realise as a kid... Or, or rather, it's usually when you're a teenager that your dad doesn't know everything. Mm-hmm. Like, that moment was heartbreaking for me. But my <laughs> God, am I glad that I realised. It's empowering at the same time, yeah. though, because you feel that, actually, I can question what my dad has to say mm-hmm. and I can actually have a debate with him and sort of, yeah, change his views on certain mm-hmm. things. And, yeah, now now me and my dad have debates all the time. Me and dad can talk on the phone for hours. <laughs> um, 
and just talking about various things um, because I'll go well no dad you're wrong because blah 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 and then he'll come back and and, and it's, it's great it's a really positive thing and it just it just goes to show that just because they're an authority figure doesn't mean that they are right Mm-hmm. The same reason why they put police officers in uniform. They have all these sort of ways that you see see authority, and so I think I think just being aware aware of what it is. I mean, I'm not saying go against, don't become the bloody um, V for Vendetta or anything like that. It's kind of He's just got a cool mask though. <laughs> he has got a cool mask, but just be aware of what's going on. Where what is that system underneath? Like, find out what it is and where you can you can bend it in certain mm. areas really. And play devil's advocate. I yeah. do it all the time, and people hate me for it, but. I feel so much more free for doing it just because I'm like, well, actually, no, I don't agree with that idea. Mm-hmm. And people are like, well, why? You're always arguing for the sake of arguing. It's like, no, I'm arguing for the sake of actually finding out what, what is fact and what is not and finding out the truth and things like that. But Yeah, yeah so I think it's just, again, it's having that curiosity. It's, it's being, being comfortable in questioning authority as well. Mm-hmm. Next point is you can be more. Don't be the person they expect you to be. Mm-hmm. I guess with this one... I think I need you to lead this one, Jim. Yeah, I'm trying to think to myself what they... <laughs> you wrote the blog post. No, I think this one went back to... Um, I was actually thinking about... There's a sort of psychological theory called, like, stereotype threat. And I think what I was saying in this one is that a lot of people maybe expect where you're from or your upbringing or whatever kind of attributes you've been given from a child or going into your teenager or whatever. They kind of they expect what they're going to get out of you so if, if if a teacher is told that you're a naughty pupil like you kind of start playing up to be that naughty pupil and it's kind of it's been proven they've got this if if a, if an area has like more broken windows and spray paint in the area the actual area i think it's called like broken window theory and basically it means that if if an area they see lots of broken windows vandalism the area is more likely to act in a in a like um, conduct bad behavior so they might be more oh, likely right. to smash smash up their area or they might be more likely to rob or they might like so it's kind of like and, and then they kind of have like all these sort of new ways well of like it. i guess because in in that in that example the environment that they're in doesn't it's not necessarily that it encourages that sort of behavior but it clearly doesn't punish that sort of behavior no, and it doesn't promote care so it's not saying yeah. it's like saying well obviously no one else cares about this environment so why should i mm-hmm. why should i pick up the rubbish off the ground if people are smashing windows uh-huh. and spray painting and it's kind of that it's kind of people fall into the stereotype i mean there you've got the whole uh, ethnic minorities who are finding it hard to get jobs or black people who are trying to find it hard to get jobs and i mean there are black people in work and there are ethnic minorities in work but if you're constantly like we say go back to the newspaper you're constantly reading that then eventually you start becoming the person they expect you to be because you mm. you're, you're falling for these stereotype threats or you're or you're in an environment that where you believe that most people react in this kind of way or most people get jobs through or in my area most people sell drugs or in my area people aren't very educated we've got the worst schools in the borough and it's Mm -hmm. kind of not allowing that to sort of really taint who you are because you you obviously always have a choice and goes back to taking not letting yourself off the hook being self-reliant and having um, I mean being able to stand up and say actually I'm not going to be like everybody else and and not falling for that authority of the area in a way yeah 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 and I think you always hear uh, kind of on a similar similar note you always see it with the bad kids versus the good kids at school mm-hmm. um, the, it happened to me I was one of the good kids I put one toe out of line once <laughs> once I was caught and I was punished to hell because I was caught right the bad kids they almost 
don't care beyond a point. Once they're labelled as a bad kid, it's like, oh, well, they're a bad kid, they're going to play up, nothing we can do yeah, is yeah. going to sort them out. So bad, the bad kids yeah. are left to run riot, and the good kids are, like, whipped into shape because they're the good ones. Yeah, but they're like, the ones that are holding those statistics for the teachers. Like, he's right. my one who's going to get my A, who gets me right. my promotion, so it's kind of... Right, exactly. We know these ones are naughty, so we'll leave them to it. Exactly. <laughs> but, then, but then that then has a negative effect because, A, the naughty kids think they can get away with it because they do get away with it, mm-hmm. and, B, they also end up with a fit... I think uh, Skepta talks about it in his video. Um, they get this feeling of, actually, well, you don't give a shit about me. Mm-hmm. So they do it more because they're not being engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. Sure. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> <laughs> so the next point. Um, yeah, this kind of, again, these sort of all kind of link into each other. It seems every time we sort of make points that we put down, we kind of like can't help but <laughs> talk about another one within it. So this one is um, stop trying to prove yourself to avoid um, others' preconceptions. Stay true to who you are. And... Um, yeah, I don't know what I was trying to... Well, okay, I, I, I got this one. I got, got this one. You got this one I in the bag. Um, I'll probably come in a bit later when so my brain's born. to up. me, what jumps out at me with this one is, um, I think back to when I was bullied at school. Uh, what actually happened, I think, I think, looking back, the reason I was bullied was because I was so cocksure and so confident uh, when I first went into senior school. I didn't give a shit what anybody thought about me. I would go up and I'd talk to anyone... Um, I talked to the girl that all the guys fancied I didn't care that's not necessarily because I thought oh yeah I'm like this hot guy it was just you know I was only what 10, 11 um, it was just because I was just confident mm-hmm. you know I was there are home videos of me as a kid going up to an adult um, <laughs> at a, at a um, it was a birthday party and I think it was like a, a, a party game and someone won one of the prizes and there's a video so I don't even know if we still got I it I think you'll find it you um, come to there's it. a video of me I was three years old and I went up to to the <laughs> guy running the party it was one of those McDonald's parties oh yeah uh, and I went up to him just and I went stride over yeah after this kid had won this prize I literally just went where's mine <laughs> that's literally what I just said where's mine <laughs> and that was me as a kid and all the way through I would do I was actually quite a naughty kid because I was just so like I, t- I remember telling teachers to shut up and everything to their face. I was a vile child. But it's just because I was so confident. And so I went to senior school. I had this confidence. And um, I think that's what the bullies latched onto. They wanted to bring me down a peg or two. That's how I see it anyway. It might not be true. And so what then happened was I tried to overcompensate for the fact that I was being put down a peg or two. And I spent so much time trying to be a cool kid or trying to be a kid that, some, that people would respect, mm-hmm. um, even though they didn't. And so I spent so much time trying to put all that effort in. It was completely inauthentic. It was complete waste of time. It was exhausting mentally, emotionally. Um, but was the bullying still happening? The well? bullying was still, still happening. Yeah. And the harder I tried to to be someone what that they, they would respect, be, yeah. the more I'd be bullied, the more and more and more. And the turnaround was the day, I remember, it was in sixth form, <laughs> the day I woke up that morning and I just thought... Why the fuck am I trying to please people? Why the hell do I give a shit what anybody thinks about me? And that was the turning point. And the bullying slowly dissipated because they had no reason to bully me because I wasn't feeling insecure about anything. It was literally, this is me. If you don't like it, fuck off. 
that's what I mean. So you sort of like owned your personality, whereas mm-hmm. I think initially you've come in and this big personality that sort of stands out. And I think that's like with anybody who kind of does something a little bit different, all of a sudden the majority are looking at you like, who's this guy? Who does mm-hmm. he think he is? Mm-hmm. And so they came along and wanted to question your mm-hmm. one personality. Like, are you really this confident? Uh-huh. And obviously they managed to break you. But if you had kind of maybe stayed on and said, yeah, I am. And you start still thinking around maybe they suddenly want to know what, why is he so confident what has he got we want to hang around with him mm-hmm. because he's obviously very comfortable in who he is and I think that's what happens when you have the cool kids at school it's because they don't give a shit yeah. they will say what they want they will tell the teachers whatever they'll I don't know they play they play the football team they just walk onto the pitch and start playing they don't get called on they mm-hmm. just walk on and people just let them do it because kind of like he's got so much confidence to just do that yeah and so that's what it is it's sort of being able to own who you are and not kind of as you say the more you veer away from it you actually end up creating more of a problem <laughs> because now you've got to kind of rewind that all was there sort of like a turning point though I mean again, obviously it's not on the point but is there was there a turning point that night which kind of switched you around as, as in something that made the me the trigger that final sort of trigger um no I don't think so it, it's it felt like just a eureka moment that came from nowhere yeah. um, I don't know if it was because I'd been become so mentally exhausted and so emotionally exhausted um, I mean I've spoken many ti- many times in hindsight I, I was suffering from severe depression mm-hmm. uh, not clinical depression I don't think um, but depression because of the bullying um, and I think what happened was I just went through the journey and just eventually kind of went this is ridiculous something's got to change and then eventually came to the conclusion of it's it's about the fact that I'm trying to make people accept me by not mm-hmm. being me um, which <laughs> for an actor as well is a bit of an identity crisis <laughs> as well <laughs> um, but yeah and, and I think I think that was that was the, the point and I mean you saw it at, at uni as well Jeff. like the amount of people that didn't like me mm-hmm. <laughs> because I just said told people what I thought mm-hmm. um, and people were threatened by that um, and people thought I was arrogant and actually you, you know how unarrogant I am <laughs> as a person and how actually I, I am a bit of a perfectionist of myself but that was what came across as arrogance because it was like no I'm, mm-hmm. I want to better myself I want to be a better person and and so it was constantly about improvement which came across as arrogance and yeah I think mean, that just scares people as yeah. well though people are afraid of people who seem to be moving because they maybe feel like they're not <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true as well yeah cool I told you I had that one I told you good you got that covered <laughs> uh, so we have one final point mm-hmm. which is I, lo- I love how this is written rub that attitude off your skin you can be something mm-hmm. go Jem go 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 <laughs> and again again this sort of this relates back to all of the others as well it's kind of just stop feeling like the angry at everybody else for where you're at like stop um sort of yeah falling for authority stop sort of thinking that okay i've got nothing to give um i'm trying to think what else i was i was talking about i'm looking back at my blog notes what else did i put in there sort of like yeah it's kind of like what you say that get out of your own way like get out of stop trying to play up to what other people expect you to be like you did when you were feeling you started playing this whole different role really and I think a lot of the people who have an attitude is because they're so far far away from who they kind of want to be is that they have it's like this aggression they have to take Mm -hmm. out on other people they have to be very snappy I'm Mm -hmm. sure if you were probably really snappy at that phase where you weren't kind of being yourself I was vile I was vile to be around I was horrible Mm -hmm. I don't even know how some of my friends stuck around to be honest but that's what I find 
find that maybe a lot of people who are maybe in jobs they really dislike it's sort of like that band is being pulled really really tight constantly and like they get home and someone says something or moves something in the wrong place and they're instantly snapped oh. it's kind of it's, <laughs> it's that sort of underlining attitude really it's sort of you kind of hold it and you're angry at the world and you're very you've kind of lost yeah and that's why he says like rub that attitude off your skin because you can be something because most people can but they're so doing things that are so not like far away from their actual personalities or it's so not true to who they are that they get so much tension built up and yeah yeah it's just a sort of stress really yeah yeah um yeah i think again it kind of goes back to so much of what, of what we've said already um in, in the fact that like the environment can cause it that attitude uh the way that you're being perceived by other people can cause that attitude um the system and the fact that you're not fitting into the system can cause that attitude and it's just about kind of accepting where you are accepting the situation and just accepting the fact that actually it's not really your fault and if you just keep on fighting through and if by fighting I mean metafo- metaphorically fighting, <laughs> not literally fighting. Um, but if you continue to kind of work through the situation, you're going to come out the other side, and actually you're going to be the better person. Mm-hmm. And that's why he calls it like he calls it the underdog psychosis. It is a psychosis. It's like you've you've like sort of become neurotic with how you think about things. It's like you're not thinking for yourself. You're everything else around you is creating you to be this underdog that you're kind of putting that on your on yourself really but i mean you've got to think there's a lot of great wrestlers or great sort of ufc fighters and stuff you kind of like to play the underdog because sometimes when you're being pushed on that external by everyone else it's a great time to sort of be able to prove yourself actually you know what here's a big middle finger to everybody who kind of and i find that as a i find that's a great motivation people say obviously that's quite like not always the best motivation but for some people to say look it's I wanna, incredibly powerful yeah i think if you want to really prove people wrong i think that's what he's saying like if you if that if people if you're thinking of yourself as the underdog use that as energy don't use that as something that actually holds you down because that's where it becomes a psychosis because you're, you're sort of playing this sort of meek character where you don't want to you, you feel like okay the, the pressure's too much but I find that it's like anything it's like if you squeeze a lid on the bottle and you, you twist that bottle harder and harder that lid eventually pops off and that's what's happening if you're constantly push 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 down you have to weak that you have to reach that sort of eureka moment that you mm-hmm. had which you just explode and this energy comes out really Definitely, and and I think my um, ambitious tendencies have been, and again, you've seen this firsthand. When I've been in an underdog scenario, I am fucking unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Like I will push myself so hard, to, almost to an unhealthy level of how hard I'll push myself. Mm-hmm. And when I'm in a situation where actually I'm not the underdog, I'm so complacent. It's untrue. Mm-hmm. Like. For me, being an under an underdog is such a uh, powerful um, motivational force. Um, so don't undervalue. If you're if you're if you are an underdog right now and you're going through all this shit, I understand. But use it, utilize it, and just push as hard as you can. And I think that's the main thing to take away from this episode is actually because initially I went in there going, "Oh, everyone is a sort of underdog psychosis. You're kind of held down." But actually, it's true. It's just a perception of of the underdog. Are you using it to motivate you or are you using it to sort of control you and hold you down and let everything else sort of pile up on top of you? And I think that's it. Like, yeah, be comfortable being the underdog. People who are, who say, like, hang around with people who are who, where you want to be. You mm-hmm. become the underdog in that situation mm-hmm. and you learn from them. You grow really fast. So, yeah, maybe I didn't actually look at it in that way. So that's quite yeah. cool. <laughs> I think that is a great place to start wrapping up. Cool. 
Woohoo! Are we promoting anything this week, Wayne? We're always promoting something. Oh, we're such we're self-promoters. We're always promoting something. Although, I want to promote my interview. Oh, yeah, do that. That was a good interview, actually. Um, so, yeah, so I had the pleasure of being on um, Cypreneurs. You were less nasal in that interview than you are today. I know, it's because I got a cold and I didn't learn. Yeah, I was on this Cypreneurs <laughs> podcast being interviewed about this, uh, my production company, and, and my acting, which was... Nice. It's a nice, quick half-hour episode. Drop some serious knowledge bombs on there. Thanks, Jim. Thanks. I appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, check that out. Go to cypreneurs.com, I think. <laughs> uh, so if you search for Cypreneurs podcast in Google, you'll find it anyway. Cypreneurs I'm Wayne sure Ingram. It's cypreneurs.com, and then search for Wayne Ingram. You'll find the episode. So give that a listen. Just we'll to also kind of link see up. me on the other side of the chair. Mm-hmm. Other side of the mic. Yeah. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, um, but also, also I think it's Instagram plugging time. Yep. So if you want to join us over on Instagram, it's powerful underscore nonsense, and I share a lot of inspirational quotes and also Kindle clippings from all the books I read every week. And, and his daily breakfast. And breakfast. There's a lot of food on the feed. There is a lot. Of food it's a food feed. Food. But food. it's good food. I yep. always always show the good stuff I'm eating rather than all. <laughs> Actually, I did share ice cream the other day. Oh, that's true. You did. Yeah. You did. So I just, yeah, I'm trying to balance out so people don't think I'm a total freak with my eating. No, he's not. It's all, it's all for show. He doesn't even eat those breakfasts. <laughs> it's like you know, in those uh, those food adverts where it's just like sprayed with the plastic, yeah, so just, it just I'm, looks really good. I'm just pausing really M&S adverts on the TV and just like. <laughs> that's totally true. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, hit us up on Instagram, powerful underscore nonsense, and we shall see thee next week. See you later. Bye.